0: Welcome to the Felicity Fueled Podcast, here to deliver you the highest quality fuel for living your best life. If you like it, feel free to subscribe and thank you again for your support. Please note that any information or advice on this podcast from the host or guests should be used at your own risk. The Felicity Fueled Podcast assumes no responsibility for the decisions of the listeners. Thank you and enjoy the podcast. Hey guys, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining me. So, it's a lazy Sunday, April 26, I think. It's kind of hard to keep track of time and place with this whole pandemic going on. And um just trying to do my best to use my time efficiently and make the most out of it because it's definitely a strange time, a weird situation, but you know, what better than to use this time to do things that you didn't have time to do before. And so I definitely encourage to try to use the time to put it into projects and things that make you feel just more connected to yourself and other people. And the last thing that you want is to come out of this time regretting all this time you had, wishing that you used it differently. So one thing I uh, have been working on is this podcast, which is something I wanted to do for a really long time. I just kept putting on the back burner. I I thought that I could be successful at it, and I I really love the idea of doing a podcast because I listen to them every day, and it's one of my favorite ways to learn new information and support people and just collaborate with um, different creators and just spread information from one person to the other. And I'm very much like an audio learner, so it's very easy for me to absorb information just by listening. So... I really appreciate uh, you listening to me. So one thing I wanted to talk about is the idea of insecurity because during this time, I think uh, insecurity is definitely something that people are feeling, maybe consciously and subconsciously, but just getting out of your routine, getting out of your comfort zone, it can make people uncomfortable and insecure, but I just want to kind of note that within conflict and change, that's when you experience the most inner growth. So no matter how hard it's been, and I know for some people it's really a difficult time, you know, people losing their jobs or not making as much income or having relationship problems, all that, it's, it's hard. And I feel you, and we're all in this together. And one day we will be able to kind of look back at this time, and it will be a pretty wild and significant place marker in history so just try to keep your head up and try to use the time efficiently like i said and you know just don't focus on the negative just keep pushing forward and trying to stay positive so one thing i I try to tell myself in difficult times is that changing your inner dialogue is what creates your external environment so try to look at it as your environment is always neutral and it's you that makes it positive or negative. When I say that, I kind of mean mainly that it's not necessarily the situation that molds people, but it's their reaction to it and your ability to adapt to change and to circumstance. So, when you have a situation that you're in and it's, you know, either not comfortable or you you don't want to be in it or it's it's struggling Try to take it as a learning lesson that you're gonna come out of this becoming a stronger person no matter what. And then also having emotional discipline and control is huge because it almost levels you up. And so whenever you're in a future situation, you'll know that you'll be able to handle it because you've gone through this before. And when you identify the source of the problems and triggers, before you react impulsively, and when I say react, it, I mean more like, not like a, an autonomous way where like, you know, someone jabs your knee and like your leg just shoots out. Like that's something you kind of can't control, but I'm talking more about your emotional and behavioral, your behavioral reactions to it. Before you have it or before you react impulsively, try to think, okay, what am I feeling right now? Where is this coming from and what is the trigger? And how can I react to this in a healthy way without affecting myself and the environment in a negative way? And a lot of things that cause someone to react negatively is insecurity, inadequacy, a lack of self-control, lack of self-awareness, a lack of connection, confusion, not knowing what you want. So the more secure and comfortable you are as a person within yourself, the easier it is for you to adapt and so i think a big part of that is just experiencing different things in life and connecting and communicating with other people in order to understand others and to understand yourself better so that's why during this time as hard it is as hard as 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 hard as it is just try to take this as a time to really relearn how you're connecting with yourself and other people And so that way, as we move forward into the future, things will become a lot easier for you and you'll walk out of this feeling stronger than you ever have. I've always been somewhat of an observer of my environment and people, and I love to just watch and listen, and that's a big way I learn, right? And observing people in my life and myself, I've noticed that the lack of life experience in a variety of areas and getting outside of your comfort zone is one of the main reasons that an individual has trouble with healthy self-expression. And when I say comfort zone, it's mainly stepping outside of your normal routine, habits, areas of confidence, and into situations where you're vulnerable because ultimately vulnerability creates personal growth. And this can be emotional, physical, intellectual, spiritual, All of these aspects make up the pillars of yourself, and balancing these are vital into understanding who you are and the vessel that you transport yourself in. I mean, you could have one area mastered and the others are severely lacking, creating this internal balance. And for many years, personally, my physical pillar, like my health, was in chaos, and that was affecting my emotional pillar, which in return was affecting my mental. And it wasn't until I started to, br- to embrace myself as a whole and introduce all these areas and try to understand them before I could fully understand where all my insecurities and issues were coming from. So when I say that, it's just that it's not about diet, it's not about exercise, it's not about relationships, it's not about, it's about everything, everything as a whole. Because you know you can't just be physically fit and then not balancing your mind and your heart too they all have to be in sync and when they're in sync that's when you notice you feel complete and just genuinely happy as a person and you'll also be able to be a great partner for someone else a great family member and just give yourself to the world how you want to and i think it's also important to note that obsessing over your issues can be sickening and tedious it will drain you of your natural flow And it will create like this violent whirlpool rather than a smooth river of thoughts. I mean, you have to be able to center your mind, which in return will help you control your body. I mean, what you think about yourself, it does have an effect on your physical being. So you've got to escape this whirlpool of thoughts and find that soothing river once again. Find the river and you're on your way to smooth sailing. And you have to stop seeking the reaction and validation of other people. I mean, insecurity is terrible. It, it sucks when you know you're confident and then all of a sudden it just takes a look in the mirror or, or a words of someone else to just shatter your confidence. I mean, we've all felt that. It, it's it's a terrible feeling. But it shouldn't matter about what other people think of you when you're secure within yourself. And unfortunately, our our, our new generation coming is... So concerned with the approval of others with everything from social media and the internet it's it's changed the way people like communicate and talk and love and just connect with each other and it's hard to feel honestly secure about yourself when you feel like there's computer screens and people's eyes just judging you nonstop more than ever if ever before but you have to ask yourself do you really need the approval of others at such a constant rate? I mean, would you be able to survive without that feedback all the time? I mean, it's like this endless loop. I mean, do other people's opinions define you? Which I hope they don't, you know, because ultimately it's you. It's your opinion about yourself that matters. I mean, you can't live yourself like a leech, like this insidious parasite needing the precious blood of others. You know, you have to learn to stand on your own two feet. I mean, if you can't live for yourself, if you can't love yourself, then what's the point? I mean, relationships won't survive, there will always be these innate issues because you can't fully love someone else unless you love yourself. And I mean, that quote is redundant and everyone knows that, but it's so true. You know, it's it's so true. You really have to embrace and love yourself and in return, the more confident and secure you are within your own skin, the, the more love you'll be able to give someone else. So taking this idea about insecurity, I kind of wanted to segue into the topic today which is a, a virus. It's something actually that uh, my friend and I were talking about because he's been suffering uh, with it for a long time and it causes a lot of insecurity in people. Um, and that is herpes, the herpes simplex virus. And it's something that, uh, you know, most people are aware of the potential risks of STDs, right? I mean, this just happens when you're engaging in sexual actions. But there's this elephant in the room with the idea of herpes, right? Because even though a huge percentage of the population has this virus, and I mean, I'm talking more than 50% have herpes one and more than 15.1% has herpes two. Yet, it's still something people are often hesitant or shy to talk about. So I just wanted to take this podcast to dive right in because I feel this is something that is very important and everyone should be aware and not afraid to talk about it. Especially during this time with the whole COVID-19, which is obviously also a virus. Viruses are one motherfucking pain in the ass. That's all I'm going to say. And herpes virus is definitely a very, very annoying thing to deal with, which people that have it, they they understand and they get it. And, you know, you're not alone. There's a lot of people that suffer with it. And, you know, a lot of people that feel severely insecure about having it. So I just wanted to say there's nothing to be insecure about. And I hope this podcast will help you embrace the fact and learn that there are methods to help you manage if not cure it and prevent you from getting outbreaks altogether which is absolutely doable so let's take this time and get the hell in and explore herpes Woo! So I wanted to give just a basic rundown of herpes first, even though I'm sure everyone's familiar with what it is. And then I wanted to talk about some natural remedies and ways to help suppress and even get rid of the virus altogether. Okay, so we all know that herpes is a sexually transmitted virus, but it can also be hereditary and passed on during childbirth. There's two types of herpes, one and two, and they can easily be distinguished and understood from one another because herpes one is in the form of cold sores and mainly appears on the mouth and it's above the belt, so to speak. Whereas herpes two is mainly found in the genital region and consists of flare-ups that can occur all over the body, basically, you know, from the waist down. Um, Obviously, having an increased amount of sexual partners can increase your odds of contracting the virus, but it can also be contracted by sharing drinks, lip balms, utensils, etc., or even touching surfaces that others with an open lesion have touched, even though that's definitely harder to contract it that way, but it happens. So now let's say you do contract it or you already have it. I mean, the symptoms of the virus can be similar to those of a cold or flu getting a slight fever, head and body aches, tiredness, um, or some it's really subtle. And people could just feel a very painful tingling in the spot of the outbreak. And it's actually funny why you feel that feeling because the virus lies dormant in nerve cell endings, and when it's activated, they begin to multiply in the nerve endings and then travel up the nerve fibers where they attack, infect, and destroy skin cells. So that's why in many individuals it can also cause neurological pain because the virus literally uses these nerves as a way to travel to the skin. It's actually a quite smart virus, and it's one that has evolved with humans for millions of years. And so that's why it's so difficult for people to maintain, prevent, and treat it. It's one annoying little bastard that just keeps on coming back. And so adding to that idea, before I get even further, I I want to openly say that I have herpes 1 and 2. I found out via blood work a while back, probably when I was... Maybe 23 or so. And I was shocked because I have only gotten an outbreak on one spot of my body. And that's the only spot I've ever gotten it. And that is on my hip bone. And it's funny because I was going to get to the point that the virus usually finds a pathway of weak energy in the body and it will occur in that area. So say, you know, you have an area that you're prone to getting injuries or sores or lesions, whatever it may be, sometimes that is where the herpes virus wants to attack because it's, it's kind of an easy entrance. So because I have weak hips, like I've had issues with my hip flexors, I think that's why that the only outbreak I've ever had was on my hip bone. I always thought it was really strange because I have never had a cold sore in my life. I've never had an outbreak anywhere else on my body. And it kind of just goes to show the virus can be very picky where it wants to surface on our skin. And I will proudly say that my immune system is incredibly strong. I mean, I take great pride in my health and I have a very hypersensitivity and awareness of my health when I... When there's something wrong with me, I can tell right away, however minor or major it is. I mean, knock on wood, I've never really had any crazy serious problems except for some food allergies and some uh, stomach issues and bowel issues. But they were quickly healed and fixed because of just changing my diet and supplementing and taking care of myself. But when I first got a herpes outbreak on my hip, um, it was very strange and It's a funny story. So I was at this point in my life um, not eating meat or barely any, which I'm going to get into why food plays a really important role in two herpes. But I was living in San Diego and I was sharing a house with my roommate and I was spending a great deal of time uh, trimming weed and going to the beach. And we were living in Pacific Beach and my roommate and I grew weed. That's how we paid our rent. And I was living off of these vegan protein bars. I worked for this company, Raw Revolution, and they had some bars, new ones that they made that were basically made of peanuts and plant-based protein. It was pea and rice protein to be specific. And I'm going to get to this, but Uh, the amino acids in certain proteins have a really huge effect on the herpes virus, specifically lysine and arginine. And that ratio can seriously determine an outbreak in people. And I was eating so many peanuts at the time, which is really rich in arginine. And, you know, so I didn't understand, obviously, at that point, because I had never looked into it, and I never had a herpes outbreak. But I noticed... After a few days of, like, eating these bars every day, and this was already on top of, like, me having, you know, a vegan diet with mainly, like, like my sources of protein were mainly nuts, seeds, um, beans, certain grains. But, but it was mainly raw food, though. So I was highly eating raw food and, like, fruits and vegetables. But I was eating a lot more peanuts than I usually do. So this lesion came onto my hip kind of out of nowhere and I noticed like the days before it happened I was like kind of itching that spot because it was tingling and feeling really uncomfortable and I didn't know what it was like I thought maybe I like bruised it and it was like just coming to the surface or what or I had poison ivy like I don't know I couldn't tell so then it like kind of flared up and it was this really weird bumpy lesion on my my hip and I tried scrubbing it off in the shower. I tried putting alcohol on it. I tried putting essential oils on it. And like it it just was like not really going away. And I was kind of confused and sort of freaking out because I've had eczema most of my life because of food allergies, but this was so different than that. And so I was kind of nervous. So I ended up going to the dermatologist and I was explaining like pretty much the whole situation. And he looked at it and he's like, you know, I'm, I'm not really sure what it is. I have a couple of ideas, but we're going to do a biopsy and we'll see. So basically he cut off the section of the lesion and they tested it. And he told me the next day, he called me. I said, look, uh, you have herpes. And I kind of was like, what? I mean, I was, I was shocked because I, I was like, how what? Like why why would I get it on my hip? Like doesn't isn't that like on your lips or your genitals? And he's like, look, you know, it really just depends on your body. And if you have points of stress, he's like, it could show up there. And I was just completely shocked. I was absolutely shocked. And that really began my journey into figuring out what causes this virus and the connections of food, lifestyle and nutrition that it has. So just to reiterate, the symptoms and outbreaks of herpes are very much like a tingling feeling prior to the actual outbreak, and that's the nerve damage occurring at the site and surface of the skin. And when the lesions emerge, it kind of look like sores, and they can often have an ooze that comes out. And that ooze, similar to like poison ivy or poison oak, that can be very contagious. So if you do have an open wound, it's definitely recommended that you cover it up and Within the Band-Aid, there's a lot of things that you can put on to help expedite the healing. Um, and then as far as the pharmaceutical drugs that are available for herpes, like people that have it, they're probably familiar. But if you're se- seeking pharmaceutical therapy, the most common drugs are the acyclovir famiclover, clover, they're valic- cl- cl- really hard to pronounce. But be aware that these drugs, even though they can lessen the severity of the outbreaks, they have some really nasty side effects and they can cause a lot more harm than good. So I would recommend trying alternative and natural remedies and just lifestyle changes to manage the herpes instead, which I'm going to get into right now. So now that we have a bit of the medical background, I wanna go on to other options and information that I've discovered myself over the years on herpes that a lot of doctors and medical sites, they won't tell you, but if you delve deep into science, you'll realize that this virus can be very much maintained and even cured just by changing your lifestyle and nutrition. So one of the biggest things, biggest things that I have noticed is the amino acid connection And that specifically I am talking about lysine and arginine. I was talking a little about it before um, with the peanuts because peanuts are really high in arginine. And basically arginine feeds the herpes virus. Lysine prevents the cells from duplicating. So a lot of people don't think about how the diet could affect herpes outbreaks, but the connection is actually crucial and can be a big game changer for many people with the virus it's made a huge impact for me personally. And because I was mainly eating a plant-based diet, which, well, then I was definitely more of a hardcore vegan. Now I do eat a lot of animal products. Like I eat a lot of meat um, and eggs, and I even incorporated yogurt and like kefir into my diet because uh, dairy is actually really rich in lysine, which I'm trying to always amp up. But uh, back in the day, before I was aware of this, I was eating much larger amounts of arginine than lysine in my diet, which I really didn't realize was contributing to outbreaks. But until I did this research, I realized the connection. And after the outbreak, I thought about what I was eating during that time. And every time before I had an outbreak, it was lar- it was a large amount of nuts and seeds, peanuts and plant-based proteins like sprouted brown rice or pea protein, which are all very high in arginine and low in lysine. And so, now that we know the, the ratio is extremely crucial to managing herpes, we just got to think about how your diet is affecting that. So, the herpes virus requires the non-essential amino acid arginine to duplicate and grow. So, like I said, it needs arginine. And the more arginine you feed it, the more likely you are to get an outbreak. And, the diet, and a diet higher in arginine than lysine, you're more likely to have the flare-up. So... Arginine is especially high in foods like chocolate, peanut butter, nuts and seeds, grains, and also, unfortunately, bone broth and collagen, which sucks because I do have a lot of bone broth and collagen. But if, if you supplement with more lysine, you'll be okay. But it's just to be, to be aware of that. Also, I wanted to note people in um, fitness world would definitely um, – this definitely is important. Um, citrulline. Uh, It's a precursor to arginine and this can also be a trigger because it can actually naturally just increase the amount of arginine in the body. Um, So then the herpes virus is suppressed through the essential amino acid lysine. And this is an amino acid that's abundant in animal-based proteins like meat and fish and especially milk products like I was saying before, yogurt and kefir, which are my two favorites to have because they're fermented and they're easy to digest. And they're fantastic sources of this amino acid. Um, Fruits and vegetables also have a higher lysine to arginine ratio, and they're almost all considered safe to eat. So in addition to herpes flare-ups, lysine is also a precursor for collagen and helps maintain elasticity of the skin and mucous membranes. So simple solutions to increase your lysine intake is just taking it in a supplement form, um, I usually aim for, like, 2,000 to 3,000 milligrams a day, which is pretty sufficient at keeping the virus at bay. So, and the lysine, uh, they're they're really cheap, the products. You can get them anywhere from a drugstore to Whole Foods, Sprouts. I mean, pretty much any grocery store or health food store will have it. And then um, eating lysine foods, rich foods such as organic yogurt and kefir, Organic free-range meats and poultry and wild-caught fish are great ways to increase your lysine intake. And also increasing the amount of organic fruits and vegetables in your diet is great, too, because they have a lower arginine amount than um, lysine. So, and then limiting the amount of arginine in your diet is also highly advised. So cutting back on chocolate, um, and that goes for raw cacao and processed cocoa. Nuts, seeds, um, legumes, uh, peanuts, peanut butter, and grains are recommended to cut back, and keeping um, and keep clear of workout supplements that can contain arginine or citrulline, because sometimes a lot of people in the fitness world uh, they put arginine in supplements because. It's great for increasing muscle mass, blood flow, uh, testosterone. So a lot of bodybuilders or people working out, they, they like the effects of it. But if you have herpes, then I do not recommend taking it as a supplement. You get plenty of it just through your food because it is a non-essential amino acid. So your body creates it naturally. So you really don't need to add it into your diet. And it's pretty hard to get a deficiency in that. So um, In addition to the amino acid connection, it's also very important to have a diet that's going to strengthen your immune system and keep the inflammation down. So in addition to lysine, some of the following supplements I strongly recommend to increase your immune system health, which in return will reduce herpes outbreaks and in some people prevent them altogether. When I take these supplements, I, I have honestly not gotten herpes outbreak in over a year because I've literally mastered my immune system. And I'm so aware now of the foods I eat and the effects that it has that I, I really just I'd never get an outbreak anymore. I want to say I cured it, but, you know, knock on wood. But you can manage it completely by taking care of your health. So in addition to lysine, uh, the vitamin C, B-complex, and zinc are all common nutrients that are known to boost the immune system and help combat infection and viruses. Antiviral herbs, which these are very important, uh, turmeric, curcumin, which is the compound in turmeric. Echinacea, garlic, astragalus, wild oregano, licorice root, which is very good for herpes, and elderberry are all great for preventing inflammation and preventing viruses from duplicating. Another one, the, this supplement, it's caprylic acid specifically from coconut oil, because coconuts naturally have an antiviral property, but it's a medium chain fatty acid that's known to have antimicrobial and antiviral properties. I first introduced caprylic acid and lysine into my diet when I first found out that I had herpes, and that was a game changer for me. And it has been for a lot of people that I recommended that too. So if you were unsure about which supplements to start with, I would definitely start with caprylic acid and lysine. And, you know, they already have health benefits, just taking them, you know, whether you have herpes or not. So adding them into your routine is really not going to have any negative effects. If anything, it's just going to increase your overall health. So another supplement, omega-3 fatty acids, specifically um, the DHA and EPA, it can prevent inflammation and have a myriad of health benefits. Um, Getting them from non contaminated contaminated uh, sources like krill, cod liver, and wild caught fish is definitely imperative. Um, You don't want to get it from sources that could be toxic or just contaminated with heavy metals. Um, And if you don't want to supplement, that's fine. Because sometimes uh, it's really hard to find good quality uh, omega-3. I personally take krill once in a while. I don't take it every day. But I do like just the cognitive effects it has too. Um, And I don't eat fish as much as I want to. I like fish, but if you're able to eat fish regularly in your diet, that's pretty good, especially if you can include like roe, which is really rich in DHA and EPA. And then algae, such as chlorella and spirulina, which you know I'm a huge advocate for, they are such nutrient-dense superfoods and are anti-inflammatory and great for a detoxing. So those are just great overall superfoods to add into your diet. But if you have inflammatory issues or viruses like HIV, um, I'm sorry, like uh, herpes, then adding that into your diet is amazing. I'm gonna list a lot of the specific supplements I take on the notes in this podcast and you can pretty much get most of them just off Amazon if you prefer shopping online or you can get a lot of them at like Whole Foods or most health food stores. Okay, so now that we've run through diet and supplements, I wanted to address another huge issue, which a lot of people, I don't think, spend enough time being aware about, but that is stress. And any time that I have gotten an outbreak, in addition to eating too much arginine, rich foods, it always happens during a really stressful time in my life, like this pinnacle where whether it's, you know, moving or fighting, or crazy traveling, or physical issues, like not getting my period, or there's no surprise that stress causes a lot of health issues in general, but mainly this increase in cortisol and other stress hormones can have a lot of physical damage on the body. I mean, because stress hormones are essential to your well-being, but when they get off balance, that is when it starts to cause havoc internally and externally. And it can cause a lot of inflammation in the body, including skin flare-ups and a lot of autoimmune type of disorders. I mean, the immune system also becomes impaired and it won't work as efficiently during stressful time periods. And so this will be an opportunity for the bacteria and the viruses to become stronger stronger, and duplicate, case in point, the herpes virus. So managing stress is extremely important, and especially if you have this virus. So some of my favorite ways to manage stress Um, I'm going to get into. And for the first one, this is very uh, close to my heart, but getting outdoors, especially out in nature. Go hiking, go on a walk on the beach, the park, or even your neighborhood. Try to get to the mountains, woods, or somewhere a bit more remote to really escape societal pressure and just embrace nature. Just get into that humble state where you're not thinking about people and and whatnot you're just oh you're in nature and it's so humbling and relaxing and taking your surroundings breathe deeply and try to focus on being present in the moment and not the other things going on in your life the more you do this the more you're able to just manage stress levels and in such a good way and you know you're getting sunlight and sunlight is a natural disinfectant so that's another good thing definitely want to get exposed to those good uv rays second thought try doing yoga, fascial rolling, or deep stretching. All of these benefit the body by releasing tension and helping become more limber. I mean, I like to think of it as like a physical meditation and practice deep breathing while you do them. Try going to a class or do it at home or use a book book or like a home video if you don't want to go into a class Um, because that helps the online instruction for guidance, especially if it's like your first time. But Getting a foam roller is so easy, and it focuses on the points of tension on the body and just stretch in the areas where you feel stressed and tight. I mean, stretching, it's so important to just keep your body limber and healthy and you keep your muscles flexible. I mean, working out is not enough. You have to stretch in order to balance that out. So that kind of brings me to the next point. Number three, get a massage or use massage tools. The benefits of massage are plentiful. I mean, we all know, unless you hate being touched or something, which uh, I know there's some people out there, but we all know how good it feels like after you get an awesome massage. And not only does it release tension and stress in the body, but it also helps with circulation. increases increases collagen production by stimulating the muscle and fascial tissue. And it also just relaxes the mind. It can help you get a really peaceful uh, sleep. It's really just good for circulation, too, and blood flow. And all of those together just increase immune system health. Number four, spend time with friends and family and do fun, engaging activities. Try playing card games, board games that stimulate the mind, encourage laughter. Spending quality time with people that create happiness is a beautiful way to relieve stress and develop quality connection with others. And this just strengthens our bonds with ourself because when we see other people happy and we're connecting with them, it kind of just naturally makes you happy. Number five, listen to podcasts, music or audiobooks, or read a book or watch a documentary. Learning new information is an awesome way to take your mind off of stress and when you learn new information it makes you feel more productive and to feel better about yourself. I mean, we all know that feeling, right? Number six, write. The act of writing your thoughts down is almost an immediate way to relieve stress because you are literally articulating what is going on inside of your mind into words and releasing them. Just that action alone makes you feel like you're extricating what's going on inside you in an outward expression. And that, in a sense, is freeing of stress. Also, recording yourself like I am right now, like in a podcast, or even just recording yourself in general and then listening to it is really nice too. Number seven, exercise, obviously. We all know regular exercise is important for being healthy, but it is amazing for managing stress. Compare yourself to a pet. When the pet's caged up all day and it's not allowed to play or exercise, it's often wound up because it's stressed out from not being able to get its energy out. Getting proper exercise utilizes your body and has a myriad of health benefits. I mean, I don't really have to go into that. We all know that exercise is extremely important for your for your body and your mind, but it helps you handle stressful situations better and allows you to get a healthier sleep. If if you don't like believe me and how important exercise is, try taking like a run or a walk before you start your day and just notice like how much better you are at managing stress. Like I guarantee you it will make a difference, especially if you don't work out at all to begin with. You'll like how you feel. Number 8. Cook, bake and make healthy meals. The act of preparing meals, especially with other people, is a very fulfilling thing because not only are you creating something from start to finish, but you can take pleasure that it's your creation and you can appreciate the meal in its entirety because you know everything that went into making it. It's a good way to connect with food too in a healthy way and then you're engaged in activity. It helps keep stress at bay. Also, you can be aware of your arginine and lysine ratio and pay more attention to the food you're putting in your body, which will help you combat the virus as well. Number nine, take adaptogenic herbs. I kind of got into that before, but for stress, adaptogenic herbs and supplements are great for helping your body balance cortisol and stress and balancing the hormones to cope with this external stimuli. Some of my favorite adaptogenic herbs are reishi mushroom, holy basil or tulsi, ginseng, ashwagandha, and hops extract. Other supplements I also enjoy for stress management are theanine, which is an amino acid naturally found in green tea, tyrosine, which is an amino acid, GABA, the B-complex, and taurine, which is also an amino acid. Helps great for managing stress. Number 10, this is very important, a lot of people don't realize it, but decreasing your caffeine and stimulant intake is so huge, especially if you're prone to anxiety. Caffeine and stimulants naturally raise your cortisol and stress hormones, which in return will only increase your stress levels. And if you're like me and you're kind of a ready, high energy or high adrenaline, the caffeine, it almost puts your body on overload. In fact, decreasing your caffeine intake can have an almost immediate effect on your stress levels. So try replacing your caffeine with like ginseng or cordyceps or B complex or tyrosine or creatine. If you still want to drink caffeine, try matcha, the green tea, the powdered green tea, which is rich in theanine, and it's very helpful in balancing cortisol. Guayusa is another plant. It's a, it's a cousin of Yerba mate, guayaki, um, which both plants are full of polyphenols and antioxidants, which have like a more stabilizing effect on caffeine. And they, it's definitely like a good rush, but it seems to be more steady for people than coffee. And or raw cacao, just having some raw chocolate. It's lower in caffeine, but it still has a stimulating effect because of the additional theobromine and other compounds in it. So word of the wise, you know, if you love caffeine, I get it. Most of the population love caffeine, but try not relying on it. You know, try switching it up. Try to not use it as your way to get energy. I mean, we're not humans that have a deficiency in caffeine like we don't have a need for it it's just become something that we've gotten used to so if you can replace it just by having really energizing foods and herbs or just you know having a smaller amount of caffeine or maybe switching your intake to like tea or you know some raw chocolate it's just try switching it up you know you don't want to be so reliant on one thing which a lot of people are so addicted to coffee and Coffee is very acidic, too, so it's something that you just want to be aware of. And the more caffeine you do drink, make sure you drink more water. Staying hydrated is so important, which brings me to one of my last things. 11, stay hydrated. Our body is mainly composed of water, and majority of people are not drinking enough water. They drink liquids, but water. Like, you want water. Just... Good quality spring water, BPA-free, is the best water you could consume. You just hydrate your cells. It helps blood flow. It helps everything. Just your brain. It, it makes you look better, too. Your skin looks healthier and more plump and firm and hydrated. Just drink water. Just drink water, okay? Try to get at least two liters a day. But if you're working out a lot or you drink a lot of caffeine, drink more of it. Okay, the last segment I want to talk about is topical therapies to help heal existing outbreaks, and one more uncommon therapy, which is ozone therapy. I mean, this could be considered like a holistic alternative. It's something that probably won't be covered with your health insurance, but it is one of the most effective treatments for viruses in general. And it's basically using the power of oxygen to kill viruses and bacteria. It improves blood circulation, it detoxifies the blood, it just improves the uptake of oxygen into the blood and into the cells. It resets the mitochondria so they are able to function better and produce more energy for the body. And lastly, it boosts the immune system when necessary or calms it down if you have an overactive one. And if you can include it into your regimen, I would really recommend it for combating herpes. But just overall, like your quality of health, doing ozone therapy once in a while is just going to benefit how you feel in general. But if you have a virus, it is one of the best ways to kill that damn thing. And it can be a little pricey, but it is totally worth it. So it's something I would definitely look into. Okay. So now lastly, I want to talk about my top recommendations for topical treatments. We all know at this point that what you put in your body and your lifestyle can influence herpes outbreaks, but what you put on topically can also speed up the process of eliminating and healing the lesions once they appear. Because we all know how annoying it is when we actually have an outbreak and how embarrassing it is. And how insecure it will make you make you feel. So one of my favorite and powerful topical treatments that I use, utilize for outbreaks and a variety of skin issues is essential oils. Essential oils are the concentrated chemical compounds of raw plant material consisting of flowers, leaves, wood, bark, roots, seeds, peels, and they're extracted most commonly by the process of distillation. Uh, you could actually get a distillation machine. They're a little pricey, but they are fun. And they are highly volatile and powerful, the the oils, and must be used carefully when applying them to your skin. Uh, The main reason I love to use essential oils for skin ailments is because they're naturally antiseptic and antimicrobial, and they're very good for killing bacteria, fungi, and viruses. Individually, they can be extremely potent, but when you combine them, then their properties become even more strong. So my favorite top essential oils for combating herpes, and honestly, Any infectious skin issues like acne or eczema is tea tree oil, eucalyptus oil, sage oil, lemon oil, lemongrass oil, citronella oil, thyme oil, rosemary oil, lavender oil, peppermint oil, bergamot oil, cedarwood oil, spearmint oil, and ylang-ylang oil. Uh, it's kind of a mouthful. <laughs> I'll list all these into the uh, the notes. Don't worry. But when using them, I recommend you mix them uh, a variety of the oils together. If you only have one or two of them, that's fine, too. But um, so I wanted to note this because they, they are really powerful. And when you use them directly on the skin, it can cause uh, some burning and... You have to be really careful because, like, I've definitely um, fucked my skin up a little bit by using essential oils, like, directly onto my skin without diluting it. And it will work, but it will burn your skin sometimes. So you really got to be careful. Um, That's why I recommend using a carrier oil, uh, like organic raw coconut oil, which is also naturally antiviral, or organic extra virgin olive oil, organic hemp seed oil, jojoba oil organic castor oil to just to dilute it a bit. Honestly, you could really use a variety of plant oils. Just make sure you try to um, get high-quality ones and that are cold-pressed and organic, if possible, because, you know, you are absorbing that into your skin. So you want to make sure you have good quality oil. Um, so to note, I've you know, like I said, I've used the essential oils on my skin, but it can b- burn and cause irritation. So even though it expedites the cu- the killing process, it can really put it this way. I'm impatient. So a lot of times I've just put the essential oils directly onto my skin or I put it, I've like saturated a big band-aid with the oils and just put it right on the lesion. And it dried that motherfucker up, but like it scabbed it. And that can cause scarring in some people. And so like, I don't want to recommend doing that because if you burn her skin, I'll feel really bad. And Like I have burned my skin, but it will scab it up quickly. So it's kind of like you got to experiment and you know your skin better than anyone else. So I would like do a test area, um, like take a Q-tip or a cotton ball and apply an oil somewhere. And if it's like burning you and you can't stand it, then don't do it, obviously. Then maybe dilute it with the the carrier oil. But if you can apply it directly to your skin, like right to the lesion, it will definitely make it heal faster so or just try what I usually do like in the past and I've gotten the outbreak on my hip I just saturated like a big band-aid the 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 cotton part of the band-aid or whatever the the soft white part I just put um all the essential oils on there and then I just kept that lesion saturated with the oils and I mean it scabbed up pretty quickly but it burned it burned for a while a little bit but then you know, the oils kind of start to um, dissipate and it doesn't burn as more. But I just wanted to give you um, a heads up. So if you don't have essential oils or prefer not to use them, other topical treatments I recommend are witch hazel, which is an extract of um, the witch hazel plant in alcohol. Vodka, literally plain vodka. It works great on any skin condition. I actually use it as a toner on my face and it's great for helping pimples and blemishes. Fresh aloe gel, if you can get it directly from the plant, it's a lot better than getting the stuff you buy at the store because it's full of natural compounds that help heal your skin. Colloidal silver, which is great for viruses and infections and I use it on a lot of different things. Apple cider vinegar, which um similar to the essential oils it can be uh very acidic on your skin so use with caution um if you're prone to burning i would maybe dilute it um lemon oil also works well with that but it's similar you know it could really burn your skin so just be careful and believe it or not this kind of sounds a little weird but using your own urine is great for healing skin issues and lesions i mean I know it sounds kind of odd, but um, urine, it, it has of a lot of compounds. Like think of it like when you juice vegetables, right? You're getting all this nutrients that's coming out and it's getting excreted. And like when you urinate, there's a lot of things that you're not absorbing that are just coming out in your urine. But like urea, which is found in your urine, is one of the most common ingredients found in skincare and it's super good at like being a natural moisturizer for your skin but it's also antiseptic and it dries things up and it balances the natural oils in your skin so I know it sounds weird but I've had some success with it and I've used it on lesions before and it really has helped dried it up so just a thought you don't have to do that. <laughs> but if you look into urine therapy, it's it's pretty interesting. I, I listened to a podcast about it a while ago, and it kind of blew my mind a little bit. But I had an old roommate in college, and she used to use urine um, on her face. She used to just pee in a cup and then with a cotton ball, rub it on her face. And I swear, she had great skin. I mean, she used to use that on at pimples, and it cured anything on her face. So uh, I know it's wacky, but it's just something to consider. <laughs> Um, But the main point is keeping the lesions disinfected and saturated with compounds that will assist in killing the virus and preventing it from spreading anywhere else on your skin is the most imperative thing that you can do. So fuck the steroid cream that you're going to get the dermatologist to give you. Like, it's all crap. It's not helping really heal it. I mean, they're going to give you, like, antifungal and and things that – you could just find from nature. So I would just recommend going the natural route. You know, you're not going to absorb any ugly, nasty chemicals into your skin, and you could heal it just as fast with some of these these things I'm recommending. So give it a shot. I'll list some of the um, essential oil sets that I, you can get off Amazon, him, or you could just literally get it at any health food store. So anyways, um, I know I've kind of talked your ear off about herpes, but... Uh, Now that we've run through herpes and some of the natural remedies on how to heal it, I hope that you've gained some confidence and not insecurity and also just insight and knowledge on how you can combat this nasty virus and proudly stride forward in living the best life you can, whether you have it or not. And just remember to take care of your body. It is your vessel in this life. So... Thank you very much for listening to this podcast and hearing out all my weird remedies and and, uh, recommendations. But honestly, if you take this advice, I, I promise you, it will make a huge difference. It's made a big difference in my life. I mean, I never even get an outbreak anymore. and. I'm so confident that I'm talking about it like I have no shame I mean so many people struggle with this virus and it sucks and I want to help people deal with it because you you shouldn't feel insecure about it and there's ways to maintain it and prevent it and even cure it so let's fucking do this get rid of this damn virus so go kill it and have a great day and I will talk to you soon hey guys thanks again for listening to the Felicity Fueled podcast If you like what you're hearing, please feel free to subscribe so you can stay in the loop. Thanks again for your support. I'll talk to you soon. Have a great day.